What is the crack, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Couch Potato Podcast, hosted by, of course, Ireland's leading health, nutrition, fitness expert, um, who of course couldn't be here today, uh, but has asked me to uh, take their spot uh, for now and for the foreseeable future. Um, You can call me Jamie, my clients call me Arsehole, Um, but yeah, this is the first episode, this podcast is going to be um, something a little bit different, I think, than probably what you're used to. Um, I wanted to do one for a very long time, but I think I felt a bit of pressure that it had to be really evidence-based and really kind of researchy and all that kind of stuff, and then I realized that that's actually boring as shit. Um, and no one really wants to listen to that. So I wanted to provide, I think, a more informal approach to it. Um, you know, something a bit fun, something that people can listen to. It's not too intensive. You know, you don't have to take a, a fucking notepad to the podcast just to make sure you remember all the stuff that they talked about because I can find that to be quite draining. Like, I like that they're learning tools, but at the same time, like, just settle down a little bit on it I think to be honest like people just want to hear the basics (laughs) I think a lot of the time and there's very few folks like me who get very excited about research Um, and I think there's that field's already been filled up so why not make my own which is I'm gonna do whatever I want to do so yeah so there you go there's a solid two minutes worth of rambling and hellos Um, the podcast is going to cover quintessentially diet, um, diet mainly, of course, that's my quote-unquote forte, or at least what it says in my LinkedIn bio, um, lifestyle, which basically just means me looking at what's on Netflix and being like, that's kind of dumb sounding, um, and banter, which we're already off to, uh, a great start at I think Um, classic nutritionist joke I think we're deficient in it already anyway vitamin banter can't supplement that can you painful anyway uh, so this first episode if you want to call it an episode um, I think it, it makes most sense for me to kind of cover the format for the podcast, I guess, which is going to be fairly loose, just like myself. Hashtag Nando's, hashtag banter. Um, but also mainly I think it would be nice to kind of give an insight into to me, I guess, so that people can kind of get to know my story. Um, you know, how did this absolute drop-dead gorgeous 11 out of 10 guy get into nutrition and why is he like one of the only two guys in the whole of Ireland that does nutrition very interesting story um, find out next time I'm just kidding probably won't even be a next time probably get banned from Spotify um, so yeah format of the podcast aside from the hilarity and the banter and uh, there's likely going to be fart jokes uh, at some stage and talking about dogs because I have a problem um, 
the podcasts themselves are going to have guests. Um, if I can convince people to talk to me for half an hour. Um, and we're going to cover certain subjects. We're going to cover questions within every podcast. Um, I've got a couple today, actually, to, to cover. I'm only going to do a couple, though. Um, because I don't know if you know, but it is extremely hot in Ireland right now and my shins are sweating and it's uncomfortable and uh, disgusting. So so that's going to be kind of the format of them. They're going to be, like I said, informal. This is not going to be your... And this study from 2014 said this um, because, like I said, no one apart from me probably gives a shit. So, yeah. Um... Yeah, so why not just let's just get into the meat of it, um, or for you vegetarians, let's get into the tofu of it. Um, crux of the podcast, which is, I guess, my story. Um, how I got into nutrition, um, my experience with it, and where this, um, quite frankly, probably deserves some kind of like restraining order, um, love affair with nutrition developed. So, for those of you who do, for those of you who don't, I used to be quite rotund. Um, And when I say rotund, we're talking a perfect sphere. Um, So large that I think I had a a small gravitational field, um, if not a postcode. So, yeah, quite big. Um, If you want to put that into numbers... My early teens, I think at my heaviest, I was about 22, 23 stone, which is in around that 140, 145 kilo mark. Um, and I can I can say quite comfortably that it was, uh, you're not looking at an athlete at that stage. You know, unless the sport you're playing is uh, snowball fights and I am the largest snowball in history uh, Apart from that, I, I don't think there was no real athletic prowess going on there. I mean, I think I probably had more body fat in my leg than most people had in their whole family. Anyway, so that was me at my peak. Uh, and for all those out there, that is how you develop very large calves. So take note. You just have to be flirting with type 2 diabetes to, to get them its real commitment. Um, I think, kind of unfunny jokes aside, I dealt with a lot of, obviously, physiological issues um, in terms of fitness and whatnot, flirting with type 2 diabetes and all that kind of stuff. Um, but really, the the mental health issues were rife at a <laughs> at a very young age. Um, obviously, not understanding what they were, but like when you reflect, there was there was a lot of crippling anxiety, um, reclusiveness, uh, feelings of unwantedness, um, rejection. Um, loneliness, self-loathing, 
You know, all the fun ones, if there's like a Mount Rushmore of fun feelings, I probably had them. Um, and that's to go alongside the uh, disordered eating, eating disorders. Like I was a secret eater. Wasn't really that secret. Um, and struggled a lot with binging. And I used to binge because food was the only thing that made me happy. And that is a very cruel cycle because you eat because you're unhappy and you're unhappy because you eat. Fun. Anyway, so that was me at my peak, um, weight-wise. That's me at my largest. And I, like I said, struggled a lot with socializing and things at that stage and I don't think it really manifested to the point where people would notice that much but in my mind I felt like I was not like everyone else um, and I think certainly at that age when people are going through puberty and guys are noticing girls, girls are noticing guys and uh, the people at Google are noticing you and putting you on Google Earth um, as a landmark and you also are unsure whether you should like guys or girls based on how big your boobs are. Um, having the biggest boobs in class. Whilst maybe something for girls to kind of like punch the air at and say like, yo, look at me, number one. Not really something a guy wants to say. Um, and also the fact that that meant that when I looked down, I couldn't actually see my feet. So, yeah. Uh, thank God for mirrors, because that allowed me to figure out if I was indeed a boy or a girl. Um, so yeah, so that was me in all my pride and joy. And I was very lucky in the fact that I have a an amazing uh, granda. And he um, came into my house one day during the summer. And he said, I am going to bring you and your tits to the gym. Which went down as well as you could have possibly imagined. And it was those exact words. And I fought and argued, which of course didn't last long because when you're that size, there's not much in the way of stamina going on. Ladies can attest to the fact that there is still not much in the way of stamina going on. Um... <laughs> jokes socially distancing and all that don't even talk to women <sighs> so alone um, but yeah so he came in and he forced me to go to the gym and it was the best thing that has probably ever happened to me and I know that sounds very cliche um, but it, it's kind of that butterfly effect um, where one small thing is kind of cascaded into what it is today, I guess. So without, without that moment, that scenario, I, I, I don't know where I would be. Probably in a mobility scooter. Which I'm not sure would be a bad thing, because they look pretty tight. Um, so he brought me to the gym. Classic, it was a roasting day in Northern Ireland that day. I mean, you're talking scorching levels of heat, upwards of 10 degrees, roasting sweltered me being the 
socially inept person that I was at the time and being sort of very anxious about my body, I guess, and people seeing it. I wore three layers on top and I wore three quarter length trousers or shorts. I'm not sure whether you would call them trousers or shorts. And then the classic early teens AstroTurf shoes to go along with it. Now, I know I felt anxious about my body, but on reflection of that, probably would have been more anxious to wear that swag out of the house, especially considering at the time I'm pretty sure I had blonde tints in my hair. Was not a good look. <laughs> Was not a good look. Uh, might bring it back, actually. That's pretty much what hipsters wear these days, so hey, maybe I started a trend by accident. Um, but he brought me to the gym. He showed me a couple of things, and I remember I used to sit on the uh, cross trainer every single day that we went, because it's the only thing that I felt comfortable to use. And he would come back every single day, every single day I would argue, but he would keep coming back, and he would keep bringing me and bringing me and bringing me and bringing me. And, uh, you know, it kind of became a routine, and like fair play to him, because it cost him an arm and a leg, because I don't know if you know this, but... Dremore Leisure Centre thinks very highly of its prices and you're talking £5 a session for a, for someone to go and use the cross trainer backwards because they don't know how it works <laughs> so like bless him like he actually paid some of the staff to take me to, to take me for PT sessions as well like like just Unreal guy, unreal person. It's my granda. Give that man a medal or ten. Um, and, and me and him had a very rocky relationship, I would say, in that time because I felt like he was doing it out of punishment and not really like because like you're a teenage kid, like you're a fucking idiot, right? So, not that I'm any different now, but slightly more aware. Um, so yeah, so he brought me to the gym, kept going, kept going, started to lose weight, of course, was doing all the classic dietary things, eating whole, like, bowls of pasta that were the size of small salad bowls, like, covered in olive oil, probably, like, 800 to 1,000 calories a bowl, three or four times a day, because that's, you know, hashtag health, um, was somehow miraculously started to lose weight, you know, and I'm pretty sure anything I would have done at that stage would have helped me to lose weight, but... Um, that was kind of the tipping my toe into the into the uh, into the ocean um, of this kind of journey, I suppose, and, and where it's got to so far. So that kept going. Uh, began to lose progressively more weight. Began to notice it myself. Became more sort of accountable to what I was doing. Um, moved back into the school year. Ended up joining the rugby team. Uh, played rugby for a couple of years. Really enjoyed it. Got into the weight training side of things. How I felt about myself, how I felt around food, um, other people beginning to notice that change started to shift my relationship with myself and food and, and kind of like especially my mental health in the right direction. And I don't feel like it's an on-off switch with these things. So you can't just say like I'm depressed one day and not depressed the next. It, it is like a gradual dial. But that dial began to turn a lot more in my favour. Um, until I think it was my 
fourth or fifth year. Um, so what would have been AS levels, GCSE? Uh, I got a quite a bad injury, uh, shoulder injury. Um, basically tackled a guy, fell awkwardly, someone fell on top of that. And my, so the ball and capsule joint in my shoulder, which is the, so the, the capsule holds the, what is it, the collarbone. And uh, that, the capsule split down the middle. And uh, basically my collarbone now sits on top of that and it is permanently dislocated. Um, now that in of itself isn't overly consequential to like the whole story, but it kind of set off a cascade of events in my brain that was like ultimate panic mode for someone who had been overweight before. And that was this overwhelming fear that I was going to gain everything back. And so here is me. I've been very large. I've hit the median of that sort of normalized kind of look, I guess. Um, but then this was kind of my journey towards very small. Um, so suffice to say, I've experienced the whole spectrum of being uh, a mess <laughs> when it comes to uh, health, nutrition, mental health. If, if you can name a shitty situation, I've probably experienced it. Um, at least one that's not sort of gender specific. So the fear of weight gain, um, like I remember it started in hospital, in hospital, just before I was getting the surgery. I was so afraid of gaining the weight back that I didn't eat anything after my surgery, even though I was told to. And I ended up, my blood sugar was so low that I ended up passing out twice on the way out of the hospital and dad had to wheel me out in a wheelchair. People were like, did he break his leg? I was like, no, he he had shoulder surgery. So why is he in a wheelchair? Because well, he's a spastic. Um, so yeah. So that's kind of where it started. Now albeit the week after that was great because I was on painkillers and I was just on a different planet. But whenever those kind of subsided and, and kind of reality sunk in again, like the fear of weight gain was crippling to me. Like I was so afraid. Like I, I really started to become a recluse again. Um, heavily restricted food. Missed multiple Christmases. Um, didn't engage in social events. Didn't have birthday cake. Didn't do all this kind of stuff. And I remember we had this really old exercise bike. You know one of the ones that's like... You see them using them in like groups of five and the fitness DVDs with the nylon socks from the 1980s. Like we had one of them. And I used to sit on that for like... <laughs> at least an hour every night. Two hours some nights and like the sweat is like like dripping off you onto the floor um and I used to sit on it and sit on it and sit on it and you know I think at my lowest weight I got to was about 73 74 kilos now I'm about 90 kilos now at about six foot three six foot two six foot three and people say I look quite lean now so 73, 74 kilos at that size is, it's not pleasant to look like, to look at, I guess. 
and it's certainly not pleasant to be that weight. And I was so frail. I used to fall asleep in school, like just couldn't concentrate. And I think it definitely impacted my A-levels um, and whatever. But live and learn, don't you? Well, apparently I, I barely lived and I kind of learned. Um, but I, I was aware the whole time, this is not this is not right, but I was so afraid of the weight gain because I had associated weight loss with people wanting me. And that was a very, it was like a drug, you know. So if that gets stripped away from you again, then it's, it's quite a terrifying prospect. Um, awfully serious topic that we're talking about today on the podcast, guys. Um... <laughs> But I was quite fortunate, I, I guess, that, like, my parents used to buy me, like, men's health and men's fitness and stuff. And I don't know if it was out of abject, like, fear that they thought, like, oh, maybe if he sees kind of like these people, you're big and muscly or whatever, like, you might actually, you know, want to eat more and do this and do that. Like, that was never really the problem. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't an issue. It was more, I didn't want to feel rejected again um but there was an article i remember it there was an article one time and it had it referenced the study and i was like what in the is going on here like why are they talking about science and the gym together like that that sort of amalgamation didn't make sense to me i was like how the hell do these two go together um but it, like, it really interested me. And I think that's kind of where my love affair with that research-based approach really came. And it kind of spiraled from there when I discovered other people and other people talking about it on YouTube and all these sort of things. But I remember I spent like the whole week, whole at least the whole weekend on PubMed looking at stuff around like exercise and um, kind of sort of dived into diet a little bit, but not too much because it wasn't really all that interesting to me because I thought like exercise is everything at that stage. Um... But that's what really got me into it. And then I started to look at the diet side of things. I started to add those in gradually over time and had to kind of, I didn't have anyone that I could really work with to help me through this. I had to do it myself. And I wouldn't recommend it because it was shit. It was shit. It was awful. Um, and just so unpleasant. Like see those days when you look at yourself in the mirror and you're not sure if you're fat or skinny or happy or sad and it's, f it's fucked really excuse my French um especially when you see it, it's it's more how it affects other people I think is like the worst part but anyway so we we I so I started to incorporate these things gradually began to increase my weights like stop weighing myself all the time that took an awful lot of time to feel comfortable with that that was difficult um but again it's one of these things where i became kind of like a test subject so i kind of rationalized it all in my brain like if if i can lose the weight if i can gain the weight then i can i can change it i can change it um and as long as i do it slowly like people won't notice it as much um so i had to always there was always a fight in your own brain to do these things um but yeah, gradually began to increase the weight over time. Um, 
then moved over to uni, developed a not half bad physique, I guess. I mean, I'm certainly not a fitness model by any means, but you know, guys have asked me for pictures of my feet, so or whatever that means. I'm pretty sure that makes me like a ten out of ten. Pretty sure. Um, also, if you if you are interested in pictures of my feet, send me a DM. Very willing to sell. Always looking for an extra stream of income. You know, Gary V model. Uh, what are you going to say? Oh, so I went to uni. Um, and that's where I went and did sports and exercise science because by default, if you don't know what you want to do in life, you go and study sports and exercise science and then you realize, waste of time. Um, but that's where my love affair with nutrition kind of really started to to come to light um i was quite fortunate to be surrounded in jobs and things by people who were very sort of intelligent and very well versed in nutrition and i could bounce things off them and, and ask them questions and they would teach me not just about nutrition but also about research and, and how to how to understand it how to apply it and all these sort of things and i think that was one of the main takeaways i had from uni it was never it was never the course itself because quite frankly the courses are honestly 30 grand's worth of bullshit from like 20 years ago but it's the it's the experience and developing the capability to learn and the ability to learn as an individual and I think like people really underestimate how important education is and the ability to learn because if you can learn something you can learn anything and it's like that is such an important skill anyways tangent um that's where nutrition kind of, I fell in love with it. Um, started to kind of work with people a little bit on that front during uni, but wasn't really charging people or anything like that at the time. Um, and then fourth year came about, um, had a very difficult year, uh, lost someone very close to me and that made a, that kind of led to a very difficult decision as to whether I should just quit and come home or go on and do the master's degree, which I had been looking at for quite some time. And the rationale for that was that they would smack me in the back of the head for going home and say, that was, why, did, why would you do that? Um, so I went, uh, started my undergrad in Edinburgh, went through to Glasgow to do my master's, was told I would never pass the master's degree, ended up finishing in the top five in the class. Um, had my research presented and published, uh, was presented overseas in the UK and Australia. Um, I've since then began to coach more and more and more. I was awful when I first started, absolutely shit. Um, used to tell people like, oh, you need to, it's, you're not counting your calories right. And calorie fucking deficit. Like I was the original James Smith, the arsehole before the arsehole. Um, except for I just never recorded myself being a dick. <laughs> Drama. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, hopefully I can clip that out. I'll probably forget about it. Um, yeah, was a terrible coach to begin with. Was very fortunate that I found people who were very like-minded in that they got into it for the right reason but wanted to see how they can do it better. 
and they taught me an awful lot. And then I kind of began to explore more so the application side. Like knowledge is great, but if you can't apply it, it's kind of useless in a way. Um, and I think that's kind of where my coaching philosophy is came to at this point, where it's as much about the diet as it is about the life. Diet affects your life as much as life affects your diet, I believe. And you can't hope to address the present state of someone's health without addressing the past uh, and indeed the future as well. So I look at it a very, I don't like the word holistic, but if there's someone who looks at it like with a complete sense of wholeness, I think that's kind of what I push myself to do. Um, which makes for quite awkward interactions with people sometimes because then they're like, why are you asking me about my relationship with my mum? Are you not just going to tell me not to eat chocolate? I'm like, fuck no. Chocolate is amazing. Um, but your mum might have led you to have these binge eating uh, behaviours. Like, what? Um, but yeah. So that's the coaching philosophy. I write for multiple companies now, including one of the largest supplement companies in the world, My Protein. Um, I have my own website, which I built myself, so feel free to be heavily critical of that and make me cry at night. And I work with everyone from stay-at-home mums to uh, internationally competing athletes, including Olympians. I work with everyone from people with eating disorders to people who want to enhance performance and, and uh, focus on body recomp. And uh, we, uh, we have a global reach because I've got a really long arm amongst other things. <laughs> uh, wow, someone funny. Uh, but yeah, I think that's that's kind of like me in an overview. I think future podcast, I'd probably discuss coaching philosophies and stuff with people who are a lot more eloquent than me. Because um, I think you'd be interested more in hearing more than one person talking about how they, how they approach coaching. Because um, I think we all do it slightly differently. Um, apart from if you're a PT and then it is uh, low carb, uh, low macros, low everything, starve yourself, die. Uh, success. So, yes, only joking about the PTs, by the way, don't get butthurt. Um, yeah, so that's me in a, in a nutshell, I guess. I'm a pretty, I'm a fun guy, you know, I'm a fun guy. Saturday nights, bed by 10 o'clock reading a couple of research studies, you know, shout out to my honeys. Uh, honeys being 80 year old white guys who write research papers. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's episode one, at least subject wise. And, uh, you guys have sent in quite a lot of questions, so I'm just going to answer a couple because I think we're getting to that, that point in time where now you're questioning your sanity as to why the fuck you're still listening to me rant about nothing um so yeah so let's answer a couple of questions we'll just answer ones that have came in first i think that would be easiest i'll just pick a couple of these uh, and we'll go very quickly um first question i was asked was is there one aspect about your job that you're really passionate about yes the money next <laughs> just kidding um to me, like my favorite moments are like those little 
And I think people think when they come to peace with food and relation and, and the relationship with themselves, like it's a big kind of like fucking firework display, la 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 la. You know, and it's not really. It's almost like you've just stepped through a door. And I always describe food and, and kind of like your perspectives and, and all that sort of things around your body image, whatever, as like a, a jail. And one morning you realize that that door has never been locked and you can just walk through. And it's that kind of first breath of freedom, that aha, that is the moment that I love the most. When other people realize and have that same moment that I had, that probably means the world to me because I know they don't need me anymore. And I know they'll never do another diet again or feel shit about themselves again and, and well at least not to the extremes of what they were before that's that's what that's kind of like what what i love is that kind of moment there uh, or what i'm really passionate about i guess uh okay that was a very serious answer you can invite three people to a dinner party who are they from any point in time uh, well i hate dinner parties uh, which is rather ironic because I love food. So I would actually s- not go. <laughs> but I would give my seat to someone else. And so if you were to ask me who I would do it like that, if I could have four people to sit around a table and have an evening with themselves, then like super easy decision. I would go mom, granda, um, my dad, and my dad's sister who is my auntie and I would just there's a couple of bottles of wine um, a big lasagna go wild have we night yourselves um, what's your favourite food cereal <laughs> cereal and caffeine in any form um, last question because we're running Pretty close to that 30, 35 minute mark. Um, Should we be taking vitamins and supplements? And if so, which ones? Bit of a tricky one to answer very quickly. Um, The necessity for supplements is kind of in the name. Like it's a supplement. It's not a necessity. It never will be. But are they conditionally essential in some cases? Yes, I would say so. And I think that mainly, there's only two that I can ever really think of that have virtually universal benefit. And there's very few instances in which they could be potentially harmful or pointless. And I would say if there's any two supplements that you could pick and choose from and take for the rest of your life that will have the most benefit, it would be vitamin D and it would be an omega-3 supplement. Vegan or non-vegan, doesn't matter. Um, and it's it's mainly down to the fact that with vitamin D, we don't tend to get anywhere near the requisite amount from sunlight exposure, especially Especially not now when we're told to quarantine and all that kind of nonsense. But in general, there's more deficiency than there is adequate levels in people. And it's very difficult to get from your diet. 
Um, you could obviously eat fortified foods and things like that, but that could be a bit of a nightmare. Especially with the amount that you would have to eat to get the sort of the optimal dosage, which is in around that um, that sort of 1,000 to 5,000 IUs a day kind of marker, depending on what the specific condition is you're hoping to improve. Um, so yeah, I would say vitamin D and omega-3s is mainly because well, I think more so with a Western diet, it's important to get omega-3s because our ratio of omega-3s to omega-6s in our diet is very skewed um, when it should be more balanced. I think, like I've read before, it's like a 1 to 20 ratio, a 1 to 20, <laughs> a 1 to 20 ratio when it should be closer to like 1 to 1, 1 to 2. Um, so I would say those two, and I think like I said again, the the conditions in which they could be potentially harmful is pretty pretty rare. I mean, omega threes you might have to look at sort of like blood thinning medications and things like that, but again, that's not hugely common. Um, and vitamin D, I mean, the main argument there is with toxicity, and that depends on a how stupidly you're taking them, and B, if the manufacturer has messed up the dosage. Um, so go with trusted brands there, and brands that have third-party testing. Um, and those brands will tell you, but generally speaking, it's going to be like Reflex, um, My Protein Bulk Powders, Vitabiotics, Solgar, like just those kind of general brands. I think you'd be grand. Um, omega-3 is much of the same uh, so yeah I think I think that's us that was good, we all good that was the first podcast first show, first episode of Couch Potato um, I hope you guys like the name I know you won't like me but at least you might like the name um, we will get this uploaded on as many different things as I will be allowed to before I get banned. Um, if you want to send any questions, you can find me on Instagram at Jamie's Diet Guide or on Facebook uh, at Outwork. Um, or you can just go on the website and ask us questions there too. It's outwork.co.uk. But yeah, that was the first episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I know I'm a bit of a rambler and I will probably ramble as I close the show off. Um, but if you listened, I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, I question your sanity. Um, but yeah, thanks for tuning in. And um, hopefully this is the first of many, I guess. Cheers, guys.